Well, it's exciting as we start out 2013, and uh, I want to do this. I want all of us here at this campus to welcome all the other campuses that are watching and those that are watching online around the world. So can we do that? Welcome all those people that are watching. Yes. Uh, you may not realize it, but our live stream is being watched around the world. There's military units that watch it. There's people all across the nation. Uh, I was at the health club the other day and uh, ran to this guy. He said, hey, Pastor Rob. I said, how you doing? And he's like, great. It's good to meet you. Great to talk to you. And we're sitting there talking. I go, well, uh, you know, what campus are you part of? He's like, oh, I live in San Francisco. We watch on live stream. And I was like, wow, that's so amazing. So we have a campus now in San Francisco. Uh, it's two people, but, you know, but... <laughs> It's kind of cool that with live stream, it's going around the world, and wherever you're watching from, we welcome you, and we're glad here with all that God's doing. We have six campuses here in uh, Minnesota, one in uh, Valencia, Spain. It's so exciting to see multi-site using technology, and uh, glad that you're part of the church and also watching online. Today's message is kind of a state of the church. It's organization, it's leadership, it's vision. Um, it's not the usual. I know that. I grew up in church that we never heard state of the church, never heard vision, leadership, organization, where are we going? Uh, and, and yet, this church really embraces that. Some churches are like, we're not going to do that. We're not organized. We're just completely disorganized. You know, we, we don't like leadership. We do like that. And, and I believe that God says organization is good, leadership is a gift that he's given to his church, and that vision is something that all of us have the privilege of having. And uh, if I can just share a couple things as I lay the foundation for this. Organization is of the Lord. I'm just telling you, he's an orderly, organized God. You, you can't put him in a box, but he's organized, okay? And if you look in the Bible, you'll see that he would bring his people into special places and they would get disorganized. And once they got organized, things would grow and things would be better. In the Old Testament, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And as he's leading them, he's disorganized. He's got a great heart, but he's disorganized. And so his father-in-law comes along and says, I know you're called, you're anointed, you have a great heart, but you're disorganized. We need to add some organization to this. He said, appoint leaders and delegate authority and do that. And you'll see in Exodus 18, the Spirit of God is poured out not just on Moses, but on 70 elders and on other people. So there's something about being organized, and then things went better. In the book of Acts, God adds 3,000 people to the church in one day. They're growing. They have great heart, great anointing. They're called by God, but they need in that moment some organization. And in Acts chapter 6, you see that they're like, all right, we need to get organized. We need deacons. We need to take care of this. And as they do that, interesting thing, they get the organization, and then the Bible says the very next verse, and the church grew. Because they got organized, and they took a great anointing, a great heart, put some organization with it, and the church grew. The, the gift of leadership is something that is mentioned in Romans chapter 12, and it says, if you have the gift of leadership, use it. And I wanted to let you know that when I do spiritual gifts tests, uh, I have the gift of leadership. I'm not the only one here, though. Many of you have the gift of leadership, and God has given you the ability to see things and fix things and organize teams and to make sure that people get along, and you have that gift, and you can use it at this church. We embrace that. It's a very good thing. But God's also given us the ability that separates us from the animals. He's given us an ability to have vision. We can see what the future holds for us. We can see with eyes of faith forward into what isn't already here. We can see what is coming. 
And God has always been someone that has planted vision within his people. And even in the Old Testament with Abraham, he's like, Abraham, I'm calling you. I'm going to make you a great nation. You are going to be blessed. You are going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham's like, wow, I'm trying to get my arms around this. How do I, I, I don't know if I understand this all the way. God says, come out of your tent. Look up at the stars now. Do you see all those stars? Catch a vision of this, Abraham. That's what I'm talking about. He said, Abraham, look at the sand that's on the ground in the desert. Do you see all those grains of sand? Do you see that? Your descendants are gonna be more numerous than that. Do you catch a vision for what I have for you? And so God has always given us that ability since Abraham to have that vision and be able to say, you know what? We're moving forward. In Psalms, in the Old Testament, in Psalms 2.8, The psalmist writes, ask of me, ask of me, saying, God speaking, he's saying, ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. God's saying, it's big vision, big vision for every nation to worship God. He'll make it the inheritance that they will be part of his following. And as I was reading that this week in my devotions, um, I keep a journal, and I'll talk about that later. But I, I just saw that scripture that said, ask me and I'll make the nations your inheritance. And so I just went to Google and said, how many nations are there in the world? And it said 196. And I thought, I can write that out. So I went and wrote out every single nation alphabetically and prayed for every one of them. I said, God, if Psalm 2.8 cast a vision for us to ask for the nations, then I'm asking for every nation that's on that list right there. May they be your inheritance. May people from every nation praise and worship you. That's vision from God. We see in the New Testament, there's the Great Commission, and we see in Luke 10, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So God is a God of vision. He's saying, look at the fields. There's a lot of opportunity. Can you catch a vision? Can you ask God to send laborers out there? Can you get to work with me? Can you go into all the world? Can you claim the nations? Can you see that there's a vision? So we love organization, we love leadership, and we love vision. And so with that being said today, I'm, I'm preaching and I'm part preacher today, but I'm 100% lead pastor right now. I'm 100% lead pastor leading us and saying, here's where we're going. Let's look back and celebrate what God did, but let's look forward and see what he's going to do. One last thing with that. I have a huge burden. I have a huge burden because I understand that as lead pastor, that everyone that walks through the door of one of our campuses, God has said, in some way, you're responsible You're responsible to make sure they're cared for, that they're uh, educated in the word of God, that they're able to grow, that they have meaningful worship, that they have an ability to use their gifts and talents, that they can be a disciple. There's a a burden there. And with that, I know that there's a responsibility. Hebrews 13, 17 says this. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit for you. Now, a lot of people would read Hebrews 13, 17, and they'd say as pastors, like, do you see that? Have confidence and submit. All right, let's move on. Now, that's good stuff there, but let's not get caught up on that. I want you to hear this. It says you're supposed to have confidence in your leader, submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. I am going to give an account 
I'm gonna give an account for this church. I'm gonna give an account. Our elders are gonna give an account. Every pastor that is over an area of ministry and is serving there to equip leaders, we are going to give an account. And so it's with that that we say we wanna be organized. We wanna have leadership. We wanna have vision. We want you to know where we're going. And so that's why we do a sermon like that where we give this moment to say, here's where we were, here's where we are, here's where we're going. One last thing before I just celebrate what God did in 2012 for just a minute. In the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking about the talents. And he says, a master gave five talents to one, two to another, and one to another. And he said, the master went on a journey, and he came back from his journey, and he asked the one with five, how'd you do? And the one with five said, I took five and turned it into 10. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with this. You have that great as your reward. He said to the one with two, what'd you do? I turned two into four. Well done, you multiplied. He said to the one that had one, he said, what'd you do with the one? And the one said, I went and hit it. I didn't do anything with it, but I gave you back the one. And the, and the master said, you're a wicked servant. I want a return. I want multiplication. I, I've given you something to make a difference, not to just sit there. And so I, I, I read that parable and I realize whatever gifts and talents we have, God is asking us to give a return. Not just me, but all of us. We are all going to give an account for our gifts and talents. Did we give a good return? And I think about it, I don't know how many gifts God has given me. I don't know if he's given me one, two, or five, but this is kind of one of my secret motivations. I pray that the day I get to heaven, God goes, well done, you overachieved. <laughs> I, I, I mean, would it be something if he said, Rob, I only gave you 3.5 talents and you multiplied that baby. You did so good. It looked like you had five and you really didn't. Well done. Now, contrast that with this. What if he gave you five and you get to heaven and he goes, wow, you had five and you work like you had two. You work like you had one. Man, I gifted you so much, but you kept it and you didn't use it for my glory. I don't want that day. I don't want you to have that day. And so we're gonna have organization, leadership, and vision because all of us are responsible for whatever gifts. We all have different gifts. We all have different amounts, but we all have the opportunity to get to heaven and hear him say, you overachieved. So with that being said, in, in 2012, it was an amazing year. Think about it. We started out the year with four campuses. We had Apple Valley, Faribault, Savage, and Minatrista, four campuses at the start of last year. We ended the year with seven campuses. We had Burnsville, Edina area, and Valencia, Spain. And in case the people in Valencia are watching right now, hola, mi amigos. There you go. All right. <laughs> when I'm there, I preach with an interpreter. And, uh, but it was so amazing to think we went from four campuses to seven just like that in one year. And I want to let you know this. When we started those campuses, they are all started, they are all, uh, started with no debt we paid for it all with cash, and we're able to do that. Three campuses, able to launch those teams that are there and to move those forward from kingdom builders and other general fund giving and to see the church moving forward. And so I think it's pretty amazing to have started three churches in one year, and I think God deserves the praise for that. So let's give a hand clap of praise. It's amazing. Now, we had great growth in our church, and we do something that our church believes in. We believe in giving you an opportunity to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You may be around the things of God, you may understand it, you may be near it, but there's a moment that you have to cross the line and say, I'm in. 
I'm in. And we talk about something here called a sinner's prayer, where you'd say a prayer of confession. You'd say, I confess that I'm a sinner, that my sins have separated me from you, God, and that you paid the price by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Your promises are true, and I receive grace and forgiveness. And so we'll allow people to pray that, and we'll many times be led to do that at the end of a service. Uh, we don't do it every week, but we do it regular enough because we believe that the appeal for salvation needs to be given. Now, in this last year at all of our campuses, we had over 2,000 people respond and say, I'm in. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. And we're not going to clap for everything, but we've got to clap for that, too, because that's an awesome thing. It's amazing. I just had visions of like the State of the Union address, and then this side stands up, and then sides, but don't do that. All right. Anyways, it's a good thing. Now, let me say this. Our church grew by an attendance of 776 people on our average attendance. Now, those two numbers, I want to talk about them for a minute because they bother me. If you have 2,000 people who give their life to Jesus Christ and you grow by 776, I'm like, where'd they go? You know, like, what happened here? All right, there's a couple of things. I've just studied this. I've prayed about it. It bothers me, and I'm going to give you a couple things. First of all, some of those people were like you. They were already here, and they finally had their moment where they said, okay, I'm in. I get it. I've been coming, I've been checking this out, I'm in. Okay, so that's some of the people. Some of the people were from other places. Maybe they were commuting. We had a group that was driving down from northern Minnesota, so a family from Rochester. We've had people from all around, and maybe they were part of our church and they moved away. And every church loses about 15% of its members every year just because we're such a mobile society. So some of that is in there. Some of those people uh, actually only come to church about one every two to three weeks. You may not know this, but the average church member used to come to church about every other week. Now it's becoming every third week. That's just not good enough. I hope one of your resolutions was, I'm going to be at church more often. This is the body of Christ. I'm going to get encouraged here. So some of those people came to faith, and they, they're in that rotation of every two weeks, three weeks. They're, they're just not used to it yet. So that's some of the numbers. But here's the sad part. Some of those people had the life of Jesus Christ planted in them, and like the parable of the sower says, the enemy comes to steal that life away. Hardship comes. The distraction and cares of this world come, and it pulls them away, and it's up to us to do everything we can to keep people in the body of Christ growing. And if you know somebody that's been a new follower of Jesus Christ, even today, call them, encourage them, uh, tell them to stay faithful, be a mentor to them, help them to stay in the faith. We cannot let those people slip through the cracks. But we did grow by 776 people, which is an amazing amount to think about uh, that type of growth in the church in just one year. It was almost uh, 20% growth. I mean, so that's just spectacular. When we, we sent out global teams to the world, and we sent 68 teenagers on a trip paid for by the church, and it's an amazing thing to see that, that we sent these teenagers and invested in them and sent them around. And we had a record year for Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders is our over and above giving. We have our tithes that take care of the regular needs around the church, and we encourage our members to tithe 10% and to follow the Lord in that obedience and then go above that. The tithes took care of all the needs around the church, but Kingdom Builders is over and above, and we set as a goal 1.65 million. Now, I want to go back for just a moment because on the day that I stood in front of you with our Kingdom Builders offering, I said, all year long, we've given $800,000. And we need 850,000 or whatever it was to get to 1.65 million. And I'm gonna be honest, I saw the faith in the room just go, and I saw people going like, oh man, that's a lot of money. We're, I don't think we're gonna be able to do it. I said, do, don't do the math, do your part. Let's believe in faith. 
And we announced the number at, at the church and said how much has come in, but more has come in since then. And I want to let you know that we finished the year with $1,570,000. Isn't that amazing? That's so good. I mean, with that, we did Spain, we did Swaziland stuff, we helped orphans, we helped our other campuses. I mean, sent those 68 teens on the trip. Think about all the kingdom impact that we did with that. It was just a joy at the end of the year to be able to write out like $280,000 worth of checks, sending it around the world and making a difference for the kingdom of God. That's exciting stuff. I mean, it was so amazing. And on top of that, our giving as a church went against global trends and our giving went up. Our giving went up. It was the best year of giving ever. And we actually finished with a surplus, which gives us margin to go into 2013 in a position of strength. I don't stand before you like, oh, the church is going to shut down if we don't have a great offering. No, we stand in a position of strength to say we're moving forward in strength as a church. It's an amazing thing. And you may not realize this as well. We restructured our whole pastoral team. Uh, we had too many people direct reporting uh, to me and to Pastor Darren, and so we changed it around. Uh, Pastor Darren now direct reports to me, and then six department heads report to him. And so it was one of those things that was just an amazing thing to see this restructuring going on. It was an amazing year, and we added so much staff and, and launched the campuses and had all these things going on. And at the end of the year, I have a great report to you. All your pastors still love each other, and there's great <laughs> unity, all right? That's a great thing, all right? It's amazing. With all that's been happening, uh, with all that God has done, he deserves the glory and the praise. And I want to tell you this, we're not done. If you know this about me, we're not done. We're just a church that's not done. We're going to keep growing, reaching, starting new campuses, doing whatever we need to do. Because here's what I believe. Jesus was healing on the Sabbath day. And the religious people were saying, why are you doing all that work? Why are you working on the Sabbath? Don't you know it's the Sabbath day? You're supposed to stop working. And Jesus said this, he said, my father is always working. And as long as my father is working, as long as God wants to reach people, and this person has a shriveled hand or is in need, as long as they're in need, if it's the Sabbath day, I'm going to work. If he's working, I'm working. And I felt from that that as long as God is working, as long as God's spirit is working in our church, and he said there's more people to reach, we're going to keep reaching people. We're not going to be content to say, well, let's rest. The church is full. Let's take it easy. We're going to say, what more can we do? How can we multiply our talents? If you're working, we're working. So with that being said, the best is yet to come. 2013, uh, there's three things specifically God has been laying on my heart, and you're going to see them reflected in our sermon series. You're going to see them reflected in our kingdom builders and in our budget, the way we do it. You're going to see it reflected in the strategic decisions we make, and it's these three things. God is asking for us to have greater health, greater health, and he's asking for us to have greater influence, and he's asking for us to invest in generations to come, those three things, and I want to talk to you briefly about them. Greater health. He's asking for us to become healthier as followers of Jesus Christ. We've had ex expansion and growth, and he's saying, now get some stronger health to the church. And a couple of those things, in our DNA, we talk about uh, life groups, creative worship, serving globally, and soap. And I want to talk about those things. Let me start with soap, for those of you that are unfamiliar. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. We ask you to read a chapter a day and say, what does that scripture say to me? What do I observe about it? How can I apply that to my life, and how can I pray about it? I keep a handwritten journal. 
I keep a handwritten journal for this, and I encourage you to do the same thing. But we felt we needed greater health. So we've assigned one chapter a day on this, and we thought if we're going to grow healthier, we're going to have to up that. So we're adding 100% more protein to your diet. We're giving you two chapters a day, so you will get a, a reading from Psalms or Proverbs and another chapter of the Bible. If you do soap with us, you will read the entire New Testament, a great portion of the Old Testament, Psalms twice, and Proverbs twice. This is getting the Word of God into you, and if you want to grow spiritually and be healthier, this is something you need to do. So we're asking you to do that. You can find that online at the website. Our life groups, we wanted to get greater health there, and so we added mentors. So we now have a layer of mentors that lead our life group leaders who then lead our church in life groups, and it's a great way for us to add health and strength to our body as we grow. If I could say this about life groups, if you are missing out on life groups, you are missing out on a key part of this church. You come here and worship together, and this is celebratory, and this is teaching, but there's not as much interaction as you need in your spiritual growth. When you're part of a life group, there's interaction, and we have just hundreds of options, and the sign-up is at the end of this month. We have hundreds of options. We have connect groups, growth groups, and serving groups. Uh, Let me start with that. Serving groups, 10% of our groups are that. You just find a place in the community to go serve. Maybe you go work at a shelter. Maybe you go do Feed My Starving Children, whatever, but it's a a serving group. We have uh, 30% of our groups are what we call connect groups, where you go and connect with people. You add intentionality to your hobbies, and you go and do something with that and turn it into a life group. Here's an example. I wanted to get scuba certified, so I called a scuba instructor. I said, if I get you know, X number of people at my house, will you come teach it there? And he did. So we had 12 people in a scuba group, and we met for our life group that time, and uh, we'd meet every other week, and we'd have scuba instruction in my living room. We all had to pay for it. We got scuba certified. We'd pray. We'd have our devotion time and get our teaching from the scuba instructor. We all went diving together, and that was our life group. So we have 30% like that. And then we have 60% of the groups are growth groups where you study the word of God. You can learn Greek, which is one of the languages that the Bible was written in. We have all sorts of opportunities to study the word of God, to study Bible studies, men's groups, women's groups, all sorts of things that study Bible studies or the word of God. So I encourage you, strength will be added there, greater health, a place to serve. We, We encourage you to have a place to serve and locally, globally, you need to find your place. If you're always taking in but never serving, you will get spiritually constipated, okay? You need to give out. (laughs) You're like, somebody like, ooh, bad thought, bad thought. Now, I believe that God is sending at least 1,200 people to our church this year. I'm talking about 1,200 people joining us on a regular weekend worship. And if he's doing that, I've done the math on that, that means we need 400 people to step up in leadership. What does that mean? Leadership, are you a leader? Yes, I'm talking about ushers, greeters, welcome center, life group leaders, prayer teams, marriage mentors. You see what I'm talking about? Those are all leaders that are saying, I'm not just receiving, I'm also gonna lead. There's a spot for me to use my gifts and talents here. I also know that we're short on people right now, and so if you look at what we really need, we probably need about 800 people to step up in leadership to say, I'm in, I'm not just gonna receive, I'm gonna do something, and I'm gonna add to what God is doing here, and I'm praying for greater health in that area. One more thing that has come to our attention for greater health. Um, My role as a pastor has been increasing nationally, internationally, globally. Um, I can let you know this. When I was younger, I was striving for it. 
I was like, God, you know, I want to write a book. Uh, that'd be great if I could write a book. God, I want to have a, a, a voice to the nations. And it was striving. It wasn't God's uh, just moment for me, but I wanted it out of wrong desires. When I laid it down and said, God, I feel like I'm striving. I want to do it for your glory, for your honor. I want to lay it down. Will you work on me? Will you chisel away the things in me that need to be gone so I'll have the godly character to withstand what that would do, an increased platform would do? God, don't give me anything until I'm ready. Don't give it to me. Don't give it to me. And I stopped striving and I submitted. When I did that, God worked a bunch of things on my character and all of a sudden doors started to open. The book came together. Global voice happened and things happened. And in many ways, the elders of our church have realized that I've started to function in this way. Now, don't let this word freak you out, okay? Because it's just how I'm functioning. I'm not asking for a new title. But they said, you're kind of functioning like a bishop. Okay, so now just hear me out. That means that I have greater responsibility to our multiple campuses, to the church at large, to mentoring younger pastors, to having a voice to the nation. It doesn't mean you have to call me bishop. The only one that is calling me bishop right now is Becca. Okay, so that's it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's not. She calls me, hey, you. Anyways. All right, but we realized with that, that my eyes have been put on a lot of places. And Apple Valley is a large campus, and we don't have any campus pastor here. All of our other locations have a campus pastor that their people are able to connect with, see in the lobby. They're a stable presence. They're able to interact with if they need to meet somebody or talk about strategy for that campus. And they're able to meet with them. We didn't have that here. And I was so excited as we prayed about this because we felt we needed to do that for our Apple Valley campus. And I want to call them up to the platform. I want the Macs to come on up here because Justin Mack has agreed to be our campus pastor for Apple Valley. Come on up. So excited to have you guys up here. Yes. I think they like you. It's so good. Now, now here's what that means. It means, I, it means that I'm still going to be preaching. I'm a primary leader, preacher, pastor, because I announced this to the staff. I said, Justin's going to be our new campus pastor, and one of the staff came up to me after a staff meeting, and they go, it's been so good having you. <laughs> I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm here. But I'm lead pastor realizing this campus needs someone that will carry the burden, that will be there. Their eyes will be on this campus and all the spiritual needs and the physical needs and practical needs. So that's where they're stepping in and saying, God, give us that leadership calling to take care of the people here and to help them do that. So it doesn't mean that they're going to do all the hospital visits, but they're going to make sure that they're done. It doesn't mean that you call them in the middle of the night, but they're going to make sure that someone will take the call. It means that they're going to make sure that every area is staffed and that as there's shortages, they're going to look after that. It means if there's things to celebrate, they're going to celebrate with you. They're going to help pastor you and challenge you in ways that I may not have time to do that. All the Apple Valley staff will then report to them and direct report to them instead of direct reporting to me because they're like, hey, you don't have the time for us. So now they have that opportunity. And on top of that, all the other campus pastors will direct report to Pastor Justin and then Justin will represent that vision from me to them, solve problems and help all of our campuses to go forward. So I see it as a huge victory for our church, a huge thing to celebrate that'll bring greater health to our church. And one more time, can we show our appreciation for these guys, we love them. Yes. 
Uh, Pastor Lindsey Willis has accepted the adult ministry's responsibility, which was Pastor Justin, so that's going over to her now. So you're gonna see a lot more of her around, and we're just excited for all the different things that are going on. And Global Project is still staying with Pastor Justin. He said, that's my heart, my passion. I can't give that up. I still want my eyes and my hands and my heart involved in that, so we're excited for all that. That's greater health. All right, very quickly, greater influence. Greater influence, and I promise I won't go as long on these other ones. As I said, God has enabled me and our team and, and have greater influence around the world. I want to let you know our worship team is about ready to go to a global level. Um, they have signed an agreement and a contract and have written the songs and are in recording to release a CD along with a couple other worship leaders at General Council of the Assemblies of God. August 5th through the 9th, they're going to be leading 25,000 people in praise and worship. Now think about that. It'll be broadcast on God TV around the world, distributed uh, to about 110 nations, our worship team. The, the other people in the world have noticed that our worship leaders have an anointing and an ability to write songs, and so they're now going international and global with this, so there's a greater influence. That's why I feel God was saying it's a greater influence. It's going to be incredible. We're also going to have a greater influence through this, through Kingdom Builders. And I want to let you know this. I prayed about where we should go. You know, we had 1.57 million last year. So I'm praying and I'm praying, God, I've come up with a number. And Lord, I think it's a pretty good number. What do, you, what do you think, God, if I challenge the church to give this amount? And God's like, that's pretty good. I was like, well, I mean, because I think it's pretty good stretch there, God. What do you think? And I just in my spirit, I felt God just saying, I don't even know if you need me in that number. I don't even know if you need me. I think that's a pretty good strategy, but why don't you stretch the church with greater health and greater influence and have them pray more and trust me more and sacrifice and really pray about how they can be part of kingdom builders to advance the cause of Christ and have greater influence. I said, okay, what's the number? And I told him the number. I said, we need you. We need you. We need you. And I, I make light of that, but I seriously mean this. It's going to require us to pray and to sacrifice and dig deep and to say, God, how do you want to use us? We're here to advance your kingdom. And the goal for this year is $2.5 million for kingdom builders to go into all the world. I think that's a great thing. I do. 1,199 people gave something to Kingdom Builders last year. Think about that. And we raised 1.57 million. I think we can go beyond that. I think we can go up by a million, and we are going to have a greater influence. I don't have time to go through the whole list, but we will tell you in the upcoming weeks. We will influence the nations of Cuba, Swaziland, Tanzania, Spain, Estonia, India. In India alone, we're going to start 400 churches next year. 400. They have 8,000 pastors identified. All they need is the funding. And so we agreed to fund 400 of them to start their churches. In Egypt, we're going to impact Egypt. This is something that we are going to have a greater impact. This is just an incredible thing through Kingdom Builders, and we're going to be able to do this together. God wants you to think about it, pray about it, and be obedient. Can I tell you this? We are not a social group. We are not a club. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And you need to understand this. You are not just a, a tender, a member, a person that just sits there. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's it. And if we truly believe that, our life, our giving, our, our priorities will reflect that. And I'm believing that we'll receive that challenge to have a greater influence. Last thing, generations to come. We're going to invest in River Valley Leadership Institute, and we partner, partnered with North Central University. 
And we are asking North Central University to allow us to have access to their students, and they are, and they're saying we will train them as interns. And our goal is to have over 100 interns around the church that will train, will equip, and then send out around the world. That's generations to come. In addition to that, in Swaziland, when our church launches there in February, I mean, talk about great influence. We're going to have one of the largest children's church, uh, churches in all the world. I'll show a picture. Go ahead and show this up here. This is just from this morning in Swaziland, one of the classrooms with our pastor, Mdaduzi, and uh, that is his name. And we are going to have a great influence in Swaziland with those children. And there are hundreds of them. That was just one classroom. There are hundreds of children there that need to be trained up in the ways of the Lord that we could release all around Africa to go into all the world and to change the world. And when we go to launch that campus in February, it's going to be so exciting. So exciting to lay hands on Mdaduzi and launch him forward. Matter of fact, I think we have a picture. I don't know if we showed it or not, but we have a picture of the campus. Go ahead, throw it up there again one more time. I, I just, that excites me to see that campus. You paid for that already. You paid, God used you to put that campus in Swaziland to reach those orphans and to make a difference, and it'll be filled with hundreds, if not thousands of children that are gonna be raised up as a generation. It's a greater influence for generations to come, and I wanna share this with you. In Tanzania, we sponsored all the children's outreaches in Tanzania. I was meeting with the superintendent of the Assemblies of God of Tanzania, and he expressed to me, he said, here's the problem. Islam is pushing down from the north of Africa, and Tanzania is a battleground. We are trying to hold the ground for the gospel of Jesus Christ against Islam as it forces its way down. And he said, the battle is for the children. And he said, will you help us to reach the children? I said, we're in. How much is it? He said, it's $50,000. I said, we will pay for every children's outreach for next year for the Assemblies of God to reach those children, kingdom builders. We're gonna do that together. It's a greater influence on generations to come. There's a new term in missiology. They talk about it, the 1040 window, and I don't have time to go in it. The new one is the 414 window. We have to reach kids between the ages of four and 14. It's the key time around the world. Sin is getting to people younger and younger and younger and younger and younger. And four-year-olds know things about the world that four-year-olds should never know. And we've got to reach them at a younger age. And so we're going after it with generations to come. Our own church is going to do this. We felt that we wanted to rebrand and relaunch our kids' area. We love the name Go. The name go was inspired as a great commission word, a sending word. These children are like arrows in our hand that we are sending, that they were destined to do something great for God. We're not the best generation. We're passing on to them and saying, go into all the world. And as we were thinking about that, we're going to rebrand our kids' area as a go launching pad, sending pad, one part airport terminal, one part futuristic space station, one, uh, one part gospel message in there. And so we're rebranding the design and I want to show you just a couple of pictures of this. This is going to be our new kids' check-in areas, and it's going to look like a little space station, a little Disney kind of thing going on. Three, two, one, launch, and all of our campuses will look the same, and in each classroom, it'll be themed with a launching mentality of like, you're here to learn this. You're here to be discipled in this. You're here to be discipled in this. Now go into all the world and make a difference for the kingdom of God. So we're investing in that in Kingdom Builders as well. Yes. Greater health, greater influence, and generations to come. You're going to hear that this year. Those three areas as we live and move this church forward. Last thing I'll say as I close, and this is the real honest close, all right, truthfully. 
In John chapter four, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And I want to point this out. He talks to her, and she's in need of finding the Savior. And he says, I'm the one. I'm the one. If you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. I'm the living water. I'm the one you've been looking for. And in that story, I draw strength from this, that Jesus, he, he ministered to multitudes, but he always had time for one. And we have time for you. There's a place for you in this church. And I want to tell you this. We may keep track with numbers, but we minister to people. We may keep track with numbers, but we minister to people. 1,200 people sent to us, that's a real person, each one of those. They may, they may be like Hillary, who was at a park in Apple Valley, wondering about God, wondering where she should go. She ran into somebody from our church. And at that moment, she was thinking, I wonder if I should go to this place or this place. And both of those places she was thinking of going were both cults. And yet she ran into somebody at our church at a park that said, why don't you come and check out what God's doing here? And she's like, okay, I'm just looking for something. I'm lost. I need some help. I have an emptiness in my life. And somebody was willing to say, I'm going to minister to one person, like a woman at the well. And that lady, Hillary, came to our church and she was given that opportunity to give her life to Jesus Christ. She gave her life to Jesus Christ, brought her family. Her whole family has been raised up in the ways of the Lord. And now they're getting ready and praying about being missionaries. Think about that because we took time to minister to one, one person on a park bench, talking to somebody just at a park, saying, come and see Jesus. Come and see what God's doing. One person. Every number represents a person. And Jesus had time for the individual, and we do too. And I'm asking you to have a burden and a passion and, a, and a, just a desire to say, God, help us to reach everyone you want us to reach. Help us to reach people we may never reach through kingdom builders. We're going to give millions, but God, help us to remember there's one person in Tanzania. There's a young boy or a young girl whose lives will be changed for eternity. Everyone matters. Everyone matters. Let's never miss that. We count with numbers, but we reach real people. And I pray that each one of us will get to judgment day and God will say, well done, well done. I gave you this and you overachieved. Well done. So God, with that in mind, we pray and say, help us to minister to the one. Help us to minister to the one. We have large goals, large numbers, things that we need you to get involved with. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. We need your strength. We thank you, God, for vision and leadership and organization. But we ultimately understand it's by your spirit. Without the anointing, without you, we accomplish very little. We're not a club. We're not a community group. We're a church. We're a church that is called to reach people, that is called to be the light of the world, Lord, pointing people to you, that we're not being hidden, we're not staying under the bushel, we're not hiding the light that we have, but we're broadcasting and saying, come and see how good Jesus is. And so God, I pray that we'd never be numbed by the numbers. We'd be excited by them, and we'd realize it's real people that need to find you as Lord and Savior, and we commit to be in a church that will strive to overachieve for your glory and for your honor, not for us, for you, God. And as we close out this church, I think it'd be very appropriate, Lord, for us to pray for other churches. We've talked about ourselves a lot, but now I pray blessing on every church in this area. I pray that we would be a blessing to every church, that we would 
empower them and equip them and share freely the resources we've been given that we want to equip them to do greater things for you. We would all speak life and good things about other churches. We would always realize they're on the same team with us. And if they don't have vision, if they don't have leadership or organization, may they get it, God. May they realize there's a world that needs to be reached. And God, may empty churches be filled in Jesus' name. When we drive by another church, may we be excited about what we're doing for you, but God, may we pray a blessing on that church as well, that they may achieve whatever you've called them to do. Blessing on your church, Lord. It's your church. We just have a small little part, but we pray blessing upon your church. May it fulfill the vision and the call that you have for all of them to fulfill and reach people one by one and one by one and one by one. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.